Jalen Brown as the sidekick, 2023 free agent pursuits. It's a mailbag bonus episode here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Rainy Jay's back with the vengeance. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talk about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. Thank you for making the show part of your daily routine. However you're listening, watching, consuming the show, I very much appreciate that you are doing so. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal, and I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. Buy it wherever books are sold. Get a signed copy from johncorrales.com. And uh, 30 bucks, personalized copy. Great gift. So, as I've said before, I've gotten so many mailbag questions that I wanted to make sure I get all of these questions answered. I'm taking a vacation after this week, but I have pre-recorded episodes, deep dive into the Brad Stevens era over the next two weeks. So the rest of this week, I'll be doing my normal podcasts. Then the next two weeks, a deep dive into Brad Stevens, his coaching career uh, in with the Boston Celtics. And that's going to run over the the next two weeks. So I will not be able to answer questions or do any of that stuff over the next two weeks. So this week is my week to finish up the mailbags. And so you guys have given me a ton of questions. I wanted to make sure that I got to all of those questions. This show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So let's just dive right into it. Tucker says, I feel like people are bigger on Neesmith than Pritchard these days, and I'm not sure why. Although he's shorter, I feel a lot better with Pritchard out as a comfortable ball handler who can drive and stretch the floor, even as a two, than Neesmith who makes me nervous when he puts the ball on the floor. I also like the energy of Pritchard picking up full court most of the game. Well, let's start with energy. Uh, I think one of the hallmarks of Aaron Neesmith was his energy last year. I think people are higher on Neesmith because part of it is that he's bigger. Part of it is that he, uh, you know, he, he does have the reputation as a shooter. Uh, and I think that that high energy last year really paid off. I think people saw that and thought that that's, that's something that they want on the floor. Are people higher than Neesmith than Pritchard? I, I don't know. I see a lot of Pritchard love out there. So I, I don't think that there's any more for one guy or the other. But that's that's me. That's my observation. Maybe other people feel differently. Obviously, Tucker feels differently. So, But as far as starting Pritchard at the two, this is where it gets dicey because the height does matter, especially if you're starting him at the two. That Now the switching, it, it just makes it a little more difficult. The, the, the twos in the league tend to be a little bit taller, um, and if you're if you're starting Marcus Smart, who's about six three six four, and then you're putting Pritchard next to him, now your backcourt skews really small, uh, and and that's why I think part of why I think Josh Richardson 
in there or starting someone else at the four and having Tatum and Brown play two three that that's um, that's much more palatable defensively I, I just don't think that that's something that works now granted Peyton can pick up full court and all of that stuff but in half court uh, you're just going to see people shooting over him. There's there's not much he's going to be able to do about that. I'm not saying that Aaron Neesmith is any kind of crazy defender e- either because he's he's shown some ability to defend, but mostly it's been the high energy. I don't think he's going to get in front of people and lock them up, but he's taller. He can at least contest some shots. So when it comes to starting at the two, no. Uh, I think Pritchard is suited to be a point guard and is only going to be a point guard and and we'll see. The the shooting has been great. The shooting from deeper out has been great. That has strong value on a basketball team. I understand all of that. Let's see where that where that value kicks in. It's also kind of important to understand that Dennis Schroeder being on the team while it does take away an opportunity for Pritchard, it also there's the potential for Schroeder to get dealt at the trade deadline. And so the Schroeder potential to be traded could put a lot of, uh, could give Pritchard a lot of minutes down the road later on, especially when it matters. So um, I, I don't know that Pritchard is behind Neesmith in people's eyes, but I, I personally, I certainly don't like him as the two. Speaking of Schroeder, Noah wants to say, uh, wants to ask, what do you think of having Schroeder in the same role as Karis LeVert uh, was in during those pre-hardened Nets days? Tatum and Brown both come out and the offense runs through him. That's exactly where I want Schroeder to be. I think that makes the most sense. Dennis Schroeder as a backup to Marcus Smart, I think works for me. I've already gone into my whole Marcus Smart should be the starting point guard. I like Marcus Smart as a starting point guard. And I think Schroeder being the guy that comes in and is able to hold things down while Tatum and Brown are out, it works for him. It works for the Celtics. It just works all the way around. Schroeder will probably like that role because it gives him a chance to be the primary guy. Uh, the Celtics will like that role because if Schroeder can be the primary guy off the bench and Tatum and Brown can sit for a little while, that helps as well. If any time you can get those guys sitting and managing their minutes appropriately, I think is important, especially early on. Uh, I'm, I'm all for the slow ramp up. The NBA season is a marathon, and I, I don't want these guys out there going too crazy early on and wearing themselves down. That That's a, a recipe for injuries later in the season. I don't want it. I don't want to deal with it. So I, I love the idea of Schroeder in that backup role. Run run that second unit. That's, that's all I want from him. Pump up that value. Get traded by the deadline. Get, the Celtics get something in return for him. Then you can get your Peyton Pritchard minutes and all of that stuff. Then things kind of clear up. There is some question about trading him at the deadline, and you know if things are going well and it works, maybe the Celtics don't want to trade him at the deadline. That's a that's a discussion that we've kind of had and have brought up. And sure, there's there's value to that as well. Maybe you just keep him, and maybe you just let him walk, and so be it. You've signed a guy for uh, a reasonable contract. He came in for a year. He did a job, and he left. You don't want to piss off Tatum and Brown. I understand that argument. Totally, totally valid. 
And, you know, I'm looking at it from a pure business perspective of you got a guy for, you know, a ridiculous deal, then why not get something for him? But if you get a year of Tatum and Brown saying, I understand this is a bridge year, you've done enough to make me feel good about this team, and don't piss them off by trading away uh, a key to their second unit, then I I understand that as well. So uh, let's move on. Tom wants to know, where does Grant Williams stand? Is he the odd man out of the big rotation? Uh, At this point, I don't know where he stands. There aren't a lot of minutes for him. And if we're looking at Robert Williams and Al Horford as your primary center, uh, your, your two primary centers, you're throwing Ennis Cantor as your, hey, somebody's got a guard and bead type of center, and maybe you, you're desperate for rebounding or whatever, uh, then that's three. Where does, Ra, where, where does Grant get, get his minutes? Can he work out being a four? Can, has he figured that part out? Uh, if he has then there are potentially minutes at the four for him, and that's that's going to have to be it. Small ball five on occasion, sure, but uh, I, I just, right now, uh, I, I don't see a ton of opportunity for Grant Williams. Odd man out is a great way to put it, um, and we'll see what he can earn. We'll see what he can earn. Maybe he can earn some of those spots on the uh, as the four, and you just go from there. Uh, I'm going to come back to answer questions about Jalen Brown, the sidekick, and pursuing who the Celtics might want to pursue in 2023. Let's take a look at that after I talk to you about sweat block. Now, sweat block is a doctor's answer to excessive perspiration. It was uh, something that he developed for himself and now has been selling for over 10 years basically it's a wipe you take your shower at night you apply this wipe to your problem areas and in the morning after you get a good night's sleep wake up wash it off he has found that it works for up to seven days some people get about a week's worth of dryness out of this so are you going on a trip are you going to make a big presentation are you going to meet somebody important all of the things that excessive perspiration can take can sap your confidence. Well, this is your secret to getting that confidence back. You apply this. It works for you for seven days. No worries. If for some reason, for some reason, it doesn't, you get a dry shirt guarantee from Sweatblock, so you can go ahead and use it with confidence. It's your ticket to a little extra confidence. Go to Sweatblock.com. Go... Uh, use the promo code locked on you're going to get 20% off check it out on amazon there are about 13,000 reviews at amazon read through those they're not hiding anything check them out there go to cvs if you're in cvs you want to pick some up but you're going to save 20% off if you go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code locked on today's show also brought to you by stat hero did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose should not be a shock because those games are rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, experts. That's not a winning strategy. Now here comes Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts winning in your control within reach because they show you their lineups and dare you to beat them every day. You versus the house. If you like blackjack, this is it. You versus the house. Uh, winner take all. No one else does that. Uh, You are in total control. It's daily fantasy sports the way it's meant to be. 
one-on-one play. Stat Hero now and go ahead, change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match, which is unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. Make sure you're following our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. If you're one who likes to lay a little bit of money down on sports, you need the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout special, specials, wrong team favorite WTF. They've got the lock of the day, everything. Follow Locked On Bets. Brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back to the questions. Daniel asks, do you think the Boston Celtics have what it takes to make the NBA Finals, or do the Celtics need need another superstar? I I don't think, as of right now, as I record this on Labor Day, I don't think that they have what it takes to be a champion right now. However... I will also say that they might have an outside chance at a championship this year as constituted. It probably will take a lot of things going right. It'll probably mean Tatum is an MVP candidate. Jalen Brown is an all-NBA player. That Schroeder has played without any incident. That Marcus Smart is running the team and running it very well as as the point guard, that Robert Williams has stayed healthy and has maybe shown a little something extra, that the bench has produced one of these guys, Neesmith, Pritchard, Romeo, one of these guys off the bench has has stepped up, that Josh Richardson has recaptured something, that Juancho Hernan Gomez has recaptured something. All of those things kind of have to happen. Maybe not every single one really, but like basically almost all of them have to happen for the Celtics to be in that mix. And on top of that, you need Brooklyn to have some some sort of derailing incident, be it an injury or Kyrie popping off or Steve Nash losing control of the team. One of those things. You need something else to happen to one of these other teams. So can they can they make it to the NBA Finals this year? Can they win a championship? Maybe. Maybe they need a lot of things to go right for them and some things to go wrong for another team. But hey, you've put yourself in a position now with this team where you still at least have the outside shot. Next year, moving forward, a lot depends on how this year pans out. What the Celtics do in pursuit of a third star may depend on how this season. I've talked, when I was talking to Chris Forsberg, I I mentioned the, uh, the, the, what is it, the evaluation season? Not a bridge year, but just an evaluation year. And a part of the evaluation of this team is where, where are the Celtics going? Two stars, three stars, that, that's really going to have a, a, an impact on what the Celtics do moving forward. Jimmy says, uh, if we don't get a big free agent next year in 2022, would it be worth it to pursue Christian Wood or Jeremy Grant in 2023 as realistic, solid options so Tatum can play the three? I think Christian Wood especially is an interesting guy. And, you know, Jeremy Grant's a good player too. Maybe maybe in a couple of years they, they will be available. Uh, Christian Wood fascinates me because of what's happening 
in Houston. Uh, there's a lot that could go wrong. There's there's a lot of positional fit that maybe in a couple of years he, he will say, I don't like my, you know, how this is going. I don't like my role. I don't, whatever. That's, so that's possible. I like Christian Wood. Everybody likes Christian Wood. That's why we're getting asked about this. Sure. But also, 2023 is two years from now. And so right now I'll say, yeah, if, if Christian Wood or Jeremy Grant are possible, then sure, the Celtics could go for that. Um, I don't know as far as they, they won't have cap space. I don't think they'll have cap space. But again, then again, who knows what the Celtics do between now and then. But chances are they won't have cap space. They're going to have to figure out a way to trade for these guys. And that, that could be difficult. Uh, if they do trade for one of these guys, it's going to require some of these young guys to kind of pan out and start to play really, really well. Also, situationally, you get Christian Wood. What's your Robert Williams situation? What's your big situation here? Are you, are you looking for that as a four and a five combination? Jeremy Grant, if, if he's your guy, then, then yeah, I mean, I, I think that he can, he can sort of fit um, and, and, and help. I, so, yeah, you know, it's hard to say two years from now, but those are names to certainly watch. There's certainly names to watch in a couple of years, and we'll see where the Celtics go from there. Martin asks, um, hey, John, you've mentioned Jalen and Jason's ego in uh, in the past, I wonder if you've ever had the chance to ask Jalen a question. And then in quotes he says, how does it feel that Jason is being cre- created as the minor leader of this team and he is being created and Jalen is being created as his sidekick? Does that bother him or is he okay with that? Uh, I have not asked that question like that. I would not phrase a question like that. If Jalen... We've talked to Jalen. I've talked to Jalen about leadership and and being a leader. Um, I haven't asked him, and I don't know that he sees it this way, that people want to say Jason is one thing and Jalen is another. I I think this question here is more of a, you know, outside narrative that I think guys on the team are going to see things how they see things. And they're not going to worry too much about this outside narrative. They shouldn't matter too much about worry too much about this outside narrative. But the question is, does it bother him, or is he okay with that? Hard to say. It doesn't seem like it bothers him. If I had to put, uh, if I had to guess, does it bother him or not? My guess would be that it doesn't. Uh, but who knows? Maybe, maybe somewhere deep down inside, it does. And if it does, then you'll see Jalen maybe react a certain way. Uh, Maybe he won't want to be here anymore someday. I, I don't know. But I, from what I can tell, from what I can discern from my conversations and questions of, of Jalen, that I don't think internally they see this as the dynamic. That Jalen and Jason are often, almost always mentioned in the same breath when people are discussing the Celtics. That yes, you know, when I talk about them and where they could go, I do say Tatum becoming an MVP candidate and Jalen becoming uh, a perennial all-star. And I, I do elevate Jason Tatum higher than Jalen Brown as far as his what his accomplishments can be. But I think they're both equally important. I also called Jalen Brown perhaps the most important Celtic on the team this year. 
Because if he can ascend and be an all-NBA level type of player, then the Celtics can go that two-star route, and maybe that is, is their path to a championship. So if I'll, I'll just say this. If Jalen is worried about something like this, then I think he's doing a good job of hiding it because he doesn't seem to be worried about something like this. Um, maybe I can find a way at some point to craft a question similar to this and see what he says. You know, media day is coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe that's an opportunity. I can kick this. I can chew on this question a little bit here. Going to come back talking about Jason Tatum and the, his penchant for the, the a certain last second shot. And a question about Brad Stevens coaching, which is kind of interesting. Going to talk about that after I tell you about rockauto.com. There are tons of cars out there. And it's impossible for these chain stores to stock everything for every one of these cars. You drive by those stores. Those, those buildings are only so big. So go to rockauto.com. Don't give all of that information about your car to the person behind the counter. Just save the trip, save the hassle. Enter that information into Rock Auto yourself. There's a good chance you're going to save 30 to 50 even 100% on certain parts that you, know, that you as compared to a chain store, or a dealership. I've talked to people that have saved hundreds of dollars who go to Rock Auto a bunch. So no matter how complicated a piece, how simple a piece, you need something for your engine, you need floor mats, whatever, go to rockauto.com, enter the information. It's going to be there. You're going to be uh, cruising through a very easy-to-navigate system that is going to get you what you need at the price that you're looking for. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? That's how they know we sent you. That's a very important step. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Locked On Celtics podcast is on YouTube now, so make sure you're subscribed to that if you want to watch the show. Back with more questions on a bonus mailbag episode. Kyle in Korea says, Celtics are down one with 14 seconds left. Tatum dribbles the clock down while everyone in the stadium and at home watching on TV waits for him to take that sidestep follow-away contested 30-footer. That is my number one pet peeve. He put that in all caps. Uh, about this team, that no one seems to call him out on that nonsense. Will Ime Udoka be the one to finally do it? Well, I don't know that this situation, this situation presents itself less frequently than we think, okay? But I understand. Tatum is a guy that that sidestep three-pointer is a, a move that he can rely on. Just like Harden relies on a step back. A lot of guys rely on their step back or sidestep as a shot that they they create. Um, Tatum's also hit that shot before. Um, I think that coaches like Brad Brad has drawn up final plays that do not involve this. He's also kind of you're also kind of reliant on the, on the guys on the floor to make good decisions. And we don't know whether Brad, what Brad Stevens has said to Tatum after those, those shots. I mean, l- let me start with that. 
No one seems to call him out on that nonsense. You don't know that. I don't know that. I'm not in there in the film session. I'm not in there on the practice floor. And anytime I ask a question, something like that, Brad would say, you know, hey, look, you know, uh, he's a guy who can hit that shot. I was comfortable with that. Like, they'll say the same thing. They'll, they'll, they'll spin it so it, it's fine. Um, you don't know if he's a guy that, that hasn't called him out on that. Um, will Ime Odoka be the one to finally do it? I'll tell you what. Jason Tatum's going to take that shot again under Ime Odoka. That's going to be 100 That's It's going to happen. And it's going to happen more than once. How's that? Well, I, I can probably guarantee you that. Over the next two, three seasons, there's going to be a, an opportunity with the clock winding down and Tatum dribbling it out and taking it, taking an ISO shot. Okay, I'm not going to get too worked up about that. Look across the league. How many stars do that? Yeah. Is it a little annoying? Sure. But this is with 14 seconds left on the clock, you run a play. I'd like to see more plays run. You run a play, you run some action, you try to get something where the defense is moving, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it is just the player, hey, let's get out of the way. You break things down because the more ball movement that you have, you can argue, well, there's a chance to steal the ball. And if you turn the ball over in that situation, then you've now missed out on your opportunity. If you've got a guy like Jason Tatum and 14 seconds left and it's you know down one, or a tie game, whatever. The situation will dictate, like, hey, maybe we just want to spread out, get out of the way, let him go one-on-one. He's a good offensive player. The rules dictate that you can, uh, that the offensive player has a, an advantage in those situations. Let's just let the, the, one of the best offensive players in the league go out there and do his thing. I, I, can, I can see where the annoyance is with that. I can also see situations where, yeah, just let him let him do his thing, especially if it's a tie game. Um, down one, maybe maybe not so much, but you you also want to be careful. Uh, down one, I think you you like the opportunity for him to drive. So an ISO situation down one is is okay because if you get fouled, if you get especially if you're in the bonus, you make a move and, and somebody reaches in, you increase your odds of of getting to the line. So sure, I like that. Down two, you probably want the opportunity to say, hey, let's let's move the ball a little bit more because you got to you got to make a shot. You got to get some kind of clean shot off. Uh, so I it's just it's different situational things. I think people get wrapped up on this and it I don't think it's that big of a deal and I don't think the phrasing of this of will Ime Odoka finally be the guy to call Jason Tatum out that I don't know I I think I think they're going to work together and they'll be just fine I don't think this is a situation where uh, NBA coaches call out uh, certain players Uh, it it just doesn't work that way Uh, unless you're Greg Popovich and even then I think nowadays with with the younger players doesn't quite work like it used to. It's just a different time. Uh, let's get into Fernando here and wrap up the show, who has a, a very long setup. Let's get to the question first here. Do you think that the Celtics teams of the past three years would have been more successful if every player had the same salary and Brad could have coached without regard to investment and expectation? So he says that basically, in the early years of, of his coaching, 
there weren't a lot of big money guys, and he got to kind of work with what he had. And then later on, there were big money guys, and there were certain expectations, and he couldn't move move guys around, and there were obligations. And sure, that's that's part of it, right? Like you pay Tristan Thompson, and you gave him the full mid level, and you hard capped yourself to get him. There's just no way that you're not playing this guy, right? Even after you brought him in and it didn't work or it wasn't, it clearly wasn't working, you still had an obligation to pay him. So would they have been more successful if some of these things weren't the case? Maybe. That's an interesting hypothetical to say, hey, if, if Kemba wasn't making 30 plus million dollars, um, and if Tristan wasn't the, the mid-level guy, could he have changed how he coached the team? Would he have had more leeway to bench Kemba Walker because, you know, at the end of the games, he was a liability on defense and he was picked on? Yeah, I'm sure that if, if he had the opportunity and they, there weren't those limitations, he might have said, hey, uh, I'm going to coach differently, and I'm not worried about Kemba because Kemba doesn't have this attitude of, hey, I want to be on the floor. It's, it doesn't work that way. Um, I think with guys like Kemba, the thing that maybe drives you crazy about them, or especially like Marcus Smart, but it's all, the, it, their confidence that they have is what also makes it possible for them to catch fire real quick, and you need those guys to, you know, especially like Kemba, uh, to, to catch fire. Um, I don't know that with Isaiah or Jay Crowder or Evan Turner that that dynamic didn't exist. I think if you had benched Jay Crowder, Crowder would have made a big stink of it. If he had benched Isaiah Thomas for some reason, Isaiah would have made a big stink of it. In fact, Isaiah had a, a habit of kind of, I don't want to say lashing out, but after losses, he did not take losses well. And then he'd kind of have to backtrack on some comments from time to time and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I was not happy about the loss or whatever. The, the, the premise that Brad Stevens got to use a, a completely uh, egalitarian, egalitarian approach prior to these big money guys coming in Still doesn't. It, I don't think that's accurate because it still doesn't account for the big ego guys who are here, and that's just as big, just as big a problem, or just as big a factor, I should say, on on how the coach allots his minutes or who he decides to play. If he had pulled Jay Crowder because Crowder was 0 for four and still taking that fifth three pointer, Crowder would have lost his mind after the game. So, and that would have been just as disruptive. So, yes, if there were no uh, egos or if there was no money involved, then, yeah, maybe they would have been more successful. Maybe. Maybe they would have been less successful, too. Possible. But that's not the NBA. And that's not even really college. But it is more college than it is the NBA. And, hey, maybe this is the thing, one of the things that drove Brad Stevens crazy and made it like more likely for him to step out of or pushed him a little bit out of that coaching mindset and say, hey, let me try this upstairs stuff, uh, running the team. Uh, it's possible that that had a factor in it too. NBA is, a, is an interesting league, and 
yes, there there are obligations. When you pay a guy big money, there are obligations. You can't bench certain guys, just flat out bench them without running a risk of some, some issues happening. Um, so, all right. We're going to wrap up this mailbag. Hopefully you've enjoyed the mailbag. Uh, special Tuesday edition. I'll be back with a Friday mailbag to answer the rest of the questions that are in here before I take off for my two-week end-of-off-season vacation. Uh, and then I will be back uh, for media day. But in that two-week interim, we're going deep dive, two weeks deep dive, me, Mike Dinan, Chuck McKenney into the Brad Stevens era, speaking of Brad, and looking at his hiring, this entire era, the, the last couple of years where things started to change for him. So it's going to be an interesting, I think, conversation that will carry us through the final two weeks of the offseason. So a special edition of the Lockdown Celtics podcast coming up for that. So please be make sure you're subscribed to the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast and uh, make sure you're watching on YouTube. YouTube subscriptions will be awesome. Ring that bell. Make sure you get your notifications whenever the show drops and share the podcast. Tell your friends that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.